0: Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabaric, And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer. And welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast.
1: You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com, on social media, or you can support our community. You can find more details at workerbeing.com community. So today, we are going to be talking about changes in work conditions. Mm. Uh, before we dive into that... I want to ask you if you've ever been part of a job where your work conditions changed dramatically, like when the job started off really well and then went terrible for some reason, like the conditions Mm -hmm. got worse or vice versa. It started off poorly and then the job got better. Have you ever been in a situation like that?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I have. Um, So when I was in consulting um, in my last A year of, or a couple years of graduate school, I started off in a job that I really, really loved, which was more client facing. And I was doing a lot of assessment centers for executives and a lot of training and development stuff. And I really got to interact with the client a lot and build those relationships. And I really liked that. And then at some point, the person who did a lot of our validation study work, which is for people listening, like a lot of data, number crunching of kind of messy HR data from clients and trying to see if we're helping them to solve problems by looking at the way that our tools are impacting their metrics. And um, that person left and I had just, you know, I was like learning all of this stuff from, Our program and they realized that I knew how to do a lot of it and so they sort of expanded my role to include this data stuff and offloaded some of my clients to somebody like to another consultant and so my role became kind of half data half delivery and then as time went on they realized that they really couldn't find a lot of people or they couldn't really find a good fit for the data role And they Mm -hmm. could find a lot more people who could do the delivery side. So my job slowly started being, even though my title stayed the same, my job slowly went from client facing to almost entirely me sitting by myself with messy HR data sets, trying to clean them up and run validation. And, you know, they had template presentations that we would deliver to clients, and so I would take, you know, we would run kind of standard analyses on the different data analysis, on the different data sets. And then once they were all cleaned up, I would put those into the presentation and pass them along to uh, the folks who were going to present them to the client. But I never really got to talk to the client on the front end or deliver anything on the back end. I was just sort of the middle person that was cleaning all the data, running the analyses and putting them into the template. And so Um. my job to, yeah, my job just got really boring to me. I didn't. Really like those aspects of my job, and it just became an increasingly more focused on that. And I was also working on my dissertation at that time, and my dissertation was way more interesting to me than what I was doing in that data role. So all I wanted to really do was work on my dissertation, and I didn't really want to do any of the <laughs> data stuff I was doing. And that's actually how I ended up pivoting to go into academia because um, the job at Villanova opened up at the same time that my job was really like ninety percent this number crunching. And I was like, well, maybe I'll try this. And it set me on a completely different trajectory, but yeah, that was a pretty dramatic change, even though I was still, whatever my title was like associate consultant or something like that. um, I was just not really doing any actual, like, not that that's not consulting, but it kind of isn't, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's not like
1: front end. Yeah. Um, not client facing. I, that is, I did not know this. That is so interesting. So if they hadn't taken that away, you may have gone down the practical path. <laughs> yeah. That was really How the funny. impetus for
0: it. Yeah. That was really the reason that I made the switch because I just really didn't like that job anymore. And I was like, I got to get out of here. And I told Sam Hunter, one of our professors from Penn State, I told him that like, you know, I'm really not happy. And what I really liked, now is like, I'm really getting excited about my dissertation. And he was like, well, I'll keep my eyes open and see if anything comes up. And then like a week later, he called me and he was like, something came up. Like, are you interested in this potential role? And I was like, yeah, maybe I am. And um, yeah, so that's how it happened. But like, I think another thing that was horrible about it to me, and some people might see this as like a cool puzzle to solve or a challenge, but the data sets that we got from HR were literally like, here's five years of data, but we've had three people keeping track of it and the first person would keep the excel sheet with their first name and last name in two different files and they named the variables all these different things then the next person didn't have this variable and they coded it in a different way and they had like first initial period last name all in one column and I would have to match like all the data across all the employees in all these data sheets and try to get all the stuff to align and be coded the same way and like and so that was just like hours and hours and hours of me sitting, trying to like figure out how to get these data sets to merge and make sense. And it was just not like, that's not like my joy in life.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, I feel like the big thing that they did here is they just changed your job like completely. And that obviously sucks because you liked the part that you got hired to do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I feel like one, that's so shady and really weird and messed up but there are people that love that data side and that's great and like I worked with a bunch of those people at Infor you know I was the client facing person then there was someone on the back end that was dealing with the HR data that was messy and horrible and absurd and yet they were happy doing it yeah (laughs) I was happy not doing it Yep. um so yeah the fact that they just changed it like slowly sneakily put you into that role is (laughs) I know wow that is rough okay so you've definitely had an experience of majorly changing your work conditions how about you yeah it's a good question I was thinking about this a little bit and like I've had some changes in jobs that I was in that like kind of impacted my work a little bit But the first thing that came to mind was actually like way back when I was in high school Hmm. and I was working at Macy's. Yeah. And I worked. So I worked at the fragrance counter and then like some holiday seasons and some some summers I was like a float, which meant I went to all the makeup counters and the fragrance counter, depending on the need, um, which I loved because I got so many samples and all of all the women at the different like makeup counters always want to do my makeup so it was really fun but yeah that is fun. um the fragrance counter so when I first started I was working with um this woman was kind of like the head of that of the fragrance department who I really liked and she and I what usually when I would work she would be there like you know at some point point. Yeah. But then her like peer, so someone that was like slightly lower level than her, but still fairly high level within the department, um, was on leave when I first started. And then she joined mm-hmm. back later and she was so negative. Oh, she no. was just like, she basically felt like I was just trying to steal all her commissions, which oh. I was not doing. I was just sitting there and, you know, selling to people and, right. you know, most customers prefer to talk to a smiling happy seeming person yeah. versus like a really really <laughs> right. grumpy angry person. Yes. Um and she was very angry. She just looked angry, seemed angry all the time mm-hmm. and um and if I like, you know, if I'm standing on one side of the counter and she's standing on the other side and someone came to me to ask a question, she would like run. And try to get that customer because she had bigger commission than I did. I was like whatever level. So my commission was very small. And most of the time I just rang people up for the other people. Yeah. That were yeah. like the experts. Right. But if someone asked me a question, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I can't speak to you. Let me go get right, this other person. Right. Um, so she just made everything like more stressful. Mm-hmm. And, and then I never really, I mean, to appease the situation because I you know, this wasn't my career, I would just bring people up for her, even if she didn't help them. And that kind of right. helped calm her down. But then, you know, that's kind of sucks. Right. Like I, Not- yeah. I should have been able to get my teeny tiny commission from it too. Sure. Yes. Um, But I kind of just gave up on the fight. And so, yeah. So that was definitely like, yeah, it went from, Pretty fun to still mostly fun, but whenever I worked at the shift with her, it was much more miserable. And I would just try to hide from customers unless she was busy with a the customer, then I would go talk to them. <laughs> she was trying to run a fragrance fiefdom, it was very weird. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, you really feel like you needed to be the person to show them where the Britney Spears fragrance is? Like, right. is that gonna change your life today? It um, apparently. I mean, even their commissions, like mine was very mine was absurd. Uh, it was like two percent or something really stupid, right? Their commissions were not that high either, though. It was right. like six percent or something. And it's right? also so like s- just
0: be a nice person and realize, like, at one point, your com- her commission probably was two percent. She still wanted it at that time, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, remember when you used to be in that position and just like. Be nice to all the people.
1: Yeah. I feel like she just saw like the high school kids as like a threat, right? Like yeah. the kids that are in school. It's like, well, they don't need it. This is my career and whatever. And yes. like I get that.
0: But like until they're working. Yeah. yeah right. And exactly. It's also she doesn't know what anyone's situation is. Where is this lady? I'm gonna find her. Yeah. Tell her. <laughs> I hope she yeah. What if she's listening right now? And, and, that would be and really you just funny. get like a letter that's like Patricia I am so sorry. And it's like <laughs> a check for like $100. And she's just like, here's the commissions that you rang for me. <laughs> here's
1: the 2%. I mean, that would be amazing and hilarious. But no, I, have, I haven't I have seen her recently. But when like for a long time and I would come back and visit my parents and go to Macy's like I would sometimes see her and I would just avoid the- yeah. like yeah I'm not walking out the exit near the fragrance counter I'm gonna go upstairs or something I would do the same <laughs> I would do the same
0: I'd be like never oh, again man. um yeah, but- well so we both had jobs that changed on this yours was co-worker related mine was like task related do our I'm guessing yours probably is because you know what the article is but How, like, what are the types of changes that you're thinking about for today?
1: Yeah. So I will talk all about that. And yours being task related is there's a little bit, I can see where yours fits in. So we'll get to that. Okay, cool. Um, But there are, like you're saying, there are different types of conditions and types of changes that can happen. um, And that obviously impacts well-being. Nice. So I'll start with my three main takeaways. Yeah. And then I'll give you kind of a highlight of like what the different work condition changes look like and the impacts they have. Cool. Cool. So, number Mm. one, first takeaway if you improve your job conditions, it leads to better well being. Shocker. Mm. (laughs) And if you deteriorate your job conditions, so conditions get worse, then your well being is going to go down. So, pretty straightforward takeaway. Yes.
0: Good. Okay. Well, I mean, not good for people whose conditions are going down, but. That's a that's a solid foundation to build the other takeaways on.
1: Yes, exactly. Some basics right there. The second takeaway is that when you increase social stressors, so that's kind of like the thing that I was talking about mm-hmm. when you have like a toxic coworker, you're being ignored at work. When you increase those types of negative job conditions, it actually leads to a greater change in well-being than when a stressor gets then social stressors get better. So in other mm. words, the impact of something bad has a much bigger effect on your well-being for the worse mm. than if things get better.
0: You don't see that same bump. So you really need to pay extra attention, it sounds like, we'll talk about to when people's social conditions start to be terrible or worse, exactly. just, just relatively worse, I guess.
1: Yes, exactly, relatively worse. So as they start to d- decline, that has a much bigger bump or uh, – dip in your well-being than the reverse yep. so social stressors are kind of interesting that way and so that leads to my third takeaway so fairly straightforward based on that it's much better for leaders and organizations to prevent uh, negative change or deterioration deterioration wow i can't say that word um, of job conditions right it is yes um but yeah it's better for people to prevent a negative change in job conditions than to fix them um, to get better. So stopping mm. it, being proactive is much better than being reactive. Gotcha.
0: Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited to hear more about how they uncovered this because it sounds like a really good and useful set of findings.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. I was like, it's fairly simple when you really look at the picture here, but overall, like the message can be pretty powerful and thinking about how to be proactive and making sure things don't get bad. Um, which obviously you want to do anyways, but like making, you know, being really thoughtful and paying attention to that I think is really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they did three studies. I'll just say that they had time lag. So they, you know, asked people questions at one time, then asked again, seeing things changed for the worse. Um, and then also asked a bunch of questions about well being things um, or mm. outcomes. And the well being outcomes they looked at were depressive mood and symptoms um exhaustion, sleep problems and job satisfaction.
0: Okay. Interesting. So they have some really solid well-being related outcomes here. Um so and multiple, which is great. It's not like they're just mm-hmm. measuring it one way. Um so that is good. And I'll be curious if there's any variability in the outcomes or not or if they all ha- had the same pattern. And I guess that we can dive into that now because that would be related to the first takeaway.
1: Yes. So there are differences. Um, the types of job conditions that they looked at, uh, there were five, yes, five job conditions that they looked at when they thought about like, okay, are things getting better or worse? They looked at workload. So that would be, you know, more work, amount of work, increased pace of work, et cetera. That would be, you know, getting bad. If it's getting better, that means your workload is getting lighter. You have a slower pace, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then then they had social stressors, which I just talked about being kind of like the big one, the big takeaway one. So this is you increase social stressors when things are happening in the workplace where you've got a toxic work work coworker like I did, or like you're being put down, you're being bullied, you're being ignored mm-hmm. at work, you aren't listening to you, things like that. Okay. So that's social stress.
0: Okay. So there's like an overwork side and a social side.
1: Yes. And those okay, are, just cool. for, well, there's actually three, three more
0: oh three more
1: yeah three more
0: job babies.
1: okay i know get ready buckle up i am ready (laughs) oh okay so then they looked at org constraints which is like i think a little bit more related to like what you experienced so that's Mm -hmm. when you have either an increase or a decrease in like job or task related resources so I mean, in your case, kind of a job change, but, Mm -hmm. um, it could be like your computer doesn't work properly. You don't have access to the right documents. They give you data that three different people tracked very differently. (laughs) It's a whole mess. Um, so things that basically get in your way from being efficient and effective at work.
0: Okay. That does sound like the example that I gave just because, especially because I'm guessing it's people's perceptions. So like, Mm -hmm. what I would see as making me efficient and effective could vary. Like I might not see that as me being efficient and effective or that might be getting in my way, but that still leaves room that someone else could be like, that's my most favoritist job in the whole world.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Awesome. And then the final two are, they actually added in study three. So I'm going to guess there was a reviewer that said, Hey, you should look at these two things. Um, for good reason, because they actually had impacts. Um, so the next work con- condition they looked at was job control. Mm. So ability to make your own decisions, controlling how you do your work, which kind of also relates a little bit to yours too. Because yeah. suddenly you had no control and you were doing stuff you didn't like.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And we've talked about autonomy and control before. And I think not to like go back or like weight things too heavily on, on the example that I shared. But In that instance, the only thing that really helped me was that I really, really, really liked my boss. And Mm -hmm. he was like, I know that this is not what you want to be doing, but this is just like we have a need right now for you to do this. And he would like try to give me stuff on the side to work on that was more engaging. And I really liked him a lot. So the, and when I eventually ended up leaving, I was like, I hope that you know, it wasn't anything to do with you. <laughs> it was just the job role had changed too much. And he was like, no, I totally get that. And um, I think this makes a lot of sense. But uh, the only thing that was that would have, if this other opportunity hadn't come up, the only thing that would have maybe like kept my sanity was that he was aware. So I felt like I had some control, even though it wasn't happening right then, because I was able to like voice at least that, you know, at some point we need to get this fixed.
1: That actually ties into the fifth work condition, which is oh. social support.
0: Oh. So you had
1: support from your leader, which is yes, positive, right? Yes. And so they also looked at that one, like, you know, if your support goes down or goes up, how does that impact these well-being outcomes, right? Mm-hmm. So social yep. support is another
0: interesting one. Cool. Okay. Well, that is that is all very helpful. So then there's these five. And then do the five have different patterns with the different well-being measures? They do. Uh-huh. Oh, they do. Look at that.
1: Yay. So workload. Um, mo- okay, I will say that majority of these did impact the well-being measures to some degree, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how strong the relationship was might be varied a little bit from study sure. to study. Um, but generally speaking, these work conditions did impact well-being. So the thing that I'm going to focus on is like more about the change and how okay. that specifically had an impact. So okay. for workload... It was regardless of if you had an increase or a decrease in workload or in that job condition, the impact on your well-being was similar in strength. So Mm -hmm. what I'm saying here is like if you're suddenly you have a ton of work to do and you're really overwhelmed, your well-being is going to go down a certain amount. Mm
0: -hmm. But then as soon
1: as your workload goes gets better. And now you're back to light. You're going to go back up to like where you were before, right? You're going to continue. You're going to see that change. um, Negative and positive
0: is similar strength, right? Okay. That's good to know. So you you can kind of bounce back. People can make changes to kind of help you bounce back to a similar level in that area. Exactly. Yes. So, and no matter what you do and you
1: change your workload, it's going to have a similar effect, positive or negative, depending on whether the change Mm -hmm. is positive or negative. So workload is interesting in that sense. I think um, it makes a lot of sense to me, though, compared to the other types of um, work conditions here because workload is just so, like, cut and dry. It's like you have too much work or you have enough or you have the right amount of work, right? It's like Mm -hmm. there's no social component necessarily. There's no, like, um, you're not, like, emotionally stressed in the same way right as when you just you know when you have when you're the amount of work
0: you have changes so it makes sense to me yeah that makes sense to me as well um and good to know that if somebody feels like they haven't been doing a good job with that that the changes that they make will maybe be able to offset it more easily
1: exactly yes so I'm going to jump to org constraints next Mm -hmm. because that one's kind of more a little more similar to workload okay overall um There was similar impact with organizational constraints. So if you didn't have access to the right documents, et cetera, um, let's say you're at a normal amount of that, then suddenly you have no access to things you need. Your stress is going to, your well-being is going to drop, but it's going to recover similarly to workload, except Mm -hmm. for sleep. Sleep is the one place where that's not true. Meaning if you suddenly see a big dip in the resources and the constraints that you have your sleep is going to get way worse and huh and but verse and when you the opposite happens when your org constraints get better your sleep isn't as positively impacted
0: okay so uh there's you should be looking out because we know that sleep has a big impact on people's work functioning that during periods of time when people's constraints get higher that means that they might be particularly burnout from a lack of sleep or just not, um, able to replenish themselves at the end of the day.
1: Yes. And if you're thinking, well, we'll eventually get them the resources they need, they're not going to bounce back to a better level of sleep that as quickly. Right. Right. Yep. That makes Um, sense. Yeah. So that one's not great on the sleep side, but overall, you know, when it comes to like depressive mood, exhaustion, job satisfaction, it ebbs and flows fairly evenly depending on whether it's getting better or worse. Gotcha. Okay. That so is very the, interesting. Yeah. And I think it is really interesting, like you're saying, that the, the, that they're all a little bit different in how they work with these well-being outcomes. Um, so those two are kind of the simpler ones. Social stressors, job control, and social support are different. Okay. And they're all different in a similar way. Social stressors is the one that I focused on in the takeaway because it was in, across multiple studies. Um, but job control and social support were in both studies, in the last study as well, and they had some similar effects. Hmm. So both social stressors and job control, the effect was much stronger on reducing well-being when things went wrong
0: hmm. than when things got better. Okay. 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 So that sounds like it's tied to maybe one of the latter things that we're going to talk about that really paying attention to the negative, to the decreases can be particularly important.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there's something about like, I was thinking about it a lot. We think about social stressors. If you have a toxic coworker come into the space and they're putting you down, they're belittling you, you're not feeling good about that. That's going to really tank your well-being. Mm
0: -hmm. But then when
1: they go away do you jump back to like, or if, you know, you have a not a great coworker and things get even better. Like, I don't think the positive end impacts you in the same way.
0: Yeah. When it comes
1: to social stressor.
0: I agree. And also like if I'm going through a period of overwork or something like that, I might be able to be like okay well this is temporary or like I realize why we all have to pitch in and do this. But if the social environment is more pleasant then maybe that makes that easier. But with a coworker when the social environment's bad there's no expiration on that. Like mm-hmm. you, until people leave or they, you know, whatever or you leave or something like there's no real end on that horizon. So it also could be the people are like okay I work with the like I work with this person or these people now on everything for the indefinite future and that's stressful yeah and much more stressful for
1: sure Mm -hmm. yeah I think you're totally right there and you know when you I think there's something about like the loss there like there's yeah a lot of this paper was you know talking about like research on like resource loss versus resource gains and all of that and there's something about this type of loss like safety and stability in your social Mm -hmm. space at work that I think is very impactful you know we're sitting here as you know human beings evolutionarily we want to protect ourselves we want to be safe right that's going to hit you way way harder than suddenly being like oh I'm a little more safe now at work yeah right you're not going to feel that same positive impact because your like response to the stress is really extreme yeah. on the negative side and much less so on the positive side
0: yeah that makes sense to me and there's um some research um by roy baumeister called um it's called like bad is stronger than good or something like that and it basically mm-hmm. talks about how generally human beings ruminate on negative things more than positive things and it could be especially if you're like with interpersonal things where it could be a little more ambiguous. It's not like, oh, I have a lot of work to do. It's like, why did that person say that thing to me? Or why are we not getting along? Or why you might also spend more time trying to break that down.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's exactly what this paper wanted to see, right? They were looking Mm -hmm. at like, what's going on here? If we change work conditions, we think that people are going to have a stronger reaction on the negative and the positive. And that's not true when it comes to workload um, or even – most of org constraints type of stuff, right. But social stressors, it is true. So it does vary as to what which work conditions are getting better or worse, mm-hmm. um, as to how people react. But there are some that are really negative, and having that negative thing happen, um, has a much much bigger impact and kind of leads to you know the final takeaway of being more proactive. Yeah, so you don't bring in a toxic work, you know, co worker, you don't let bullying or that kind of behavior run rampant, right? Like one comment, address it, be done. So it doesn't create this negative environment.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And also it's even harder to address. I think people find it harder to address or talk about social conflicts or social problems. So that might be the thing that you most want to put off and not talk about compared to like, oh, I know people have been overworked or we've had a lot to do or whatever. Like you might want to try to put that off more than anything else, but that's not actually maybe a good idea. Yep. Yep. Totally agree.
1: So similar to social stressors, job control had the same type of effect for all of the different um, Mm -hmm. well-being outcomes. So meaning if you suddenly feel like you have less control at work, you're going to see a much bigger drop in well-being Mm -hmm. than if your control gets, you get more control. That you're gotcha. not gonna see as big of a of a bump. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a very similar relationship to what social stressors had.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if this is accurate, but I could imagine a universe where <laughs> part of the reason why that could be true is because like people might also have something to do with why you have less control or more control. Like we talk a lot about how mm-hmm. leaders impact whether or not people have control over their job and whether they feel micromanaged and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case because they probably didn't look at why, but it also could have something to do with the fact that there could be people taking away your ability to have that power in some instances.
1: I think you're probably right because I can't think of a situation where you would lose control of your job that has nothing to do with people. Right. Like, it would have to be something really odd, like you had a physical... Ailment that came mm-hmm. in that lost yep. some control in how you do your work. Like it would have to be something more extreme. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's likely, you know, your manager's micromanaging you. A new leader came in and they're, you know, asking that everybody does things in this specific process. You know, like it's usually right. something like that. It's less likely that it's just out of the blue. You can't control how you do your work.
0: Yeah. I agree. That makes a lot of sense to me, too. So yeah. I think, okay, cool. So, we know kind of the patterns and what um, to pay attention to if you want to stave off some of these negative impacts. What have we missed so far from those three takeaways that you want to make sure people know?
1: So the only other thing is they did look at social support, which is diff- similar to social stressors and the fact that it's a social component, but it's really about the Instead of like the stress, right, you're increasing or lowering your social stress. It's Mm -hmm. more about you're increasing or lowering the support that you get from the people around you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that one, it had a different impact on depending on the um, outcome, the well-being outcome of the four that were measured. But what they found was when social support dropped, so suddenly you don't feel like you have the support with the people around you, you, that impacts your sleep and exhaustion Mm -hmm. quite a bit. And much more than, again, if you suddenly feel more supported, you don't see, like, huge boosts in sleep and exhaustion scores. It's much smaller. So that's the other kind of, like, nuance here. But to your point, social stress, social support, even job control, likely more interpersonal things that are creating these changes versus workload or constraints. Yes, Mm -hmm. there's probably some interpersonal pieces, but a lot of it has to do with, like, the task, the work itself. Right. Yes. Resources you have stuff like that. And those don't seem to be as volatile maybe as mm-hmm. the others on the well-being outcomes.
0: Okay. Yeah. So particularly when it feels like people are saying, Hey, my social environment is shifting. So whether that's an instance where there's been a lot of turnover and maybe it's not even that people are actively having a horrible experience, but that like they've lost the friends that they had and they're not in the same positive relationships as they were with, with people and now they're not as comfortable or they don't feel like they have those bonds, that those are times to really think about and focus on your employees' well-being and try to do things to address those situations as opposed to leaving them on the back burner. So, like, if you mm-hmm. hear people saying that the social environment is weakening... Try to take steps to alleviate that. That's kind of the biggest priority that you would have. If you're also, maybe you're going through a merger and acquisition and people are like, oh, well, maybe our jobs will change, but also like the social fabric will change and we have new people we don't know or people are getting laid off. The social pieces seem like what you should attend to first.
1: Yep, 100% agree. Like hopefully you don't have to increase workload, right? But let's say workload increases for a temporary period of time you can recover from that if suddenly people feel really unsupported you're gonna have a lot harder time of getting your employees to recover from that so you really want to be focusing being proactive on the social pieces and you know how you communicate these types of changes or you know how you handle when someone's best friend from work leaves like that's a simple thing you know in a one-on-one relationship with an employee and you know like their closest person on the team is x Mm -hmm. right and that person leaves then you should check in on the person who is closest to them and see how you can provide more support or how you can help them network and find another best friend at work or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like those types of things to try to s- stop from things to changing for the negative on the social side, mm-hmm. on the control side and the social side. Um, so hundred percent, I think that what you just described is totally aligned with the findings and it's all about being proactive, not letting things deteriorate because if they do, you're going to have a hard time changing for the positive and actually seeing people's well-being bounce back.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's a really good directive, right, that if you have a bunch of priorities, there's a lot of changes going on. You feel like employees are – there's been an uptick of employees complaining about things. You're a leader. You're trying to figure out what to do. You know what your marching orders are first to try to tackle those social pieces, even though that could be more challenging – And you might have conversations with your employees about those social pieces to figure out exactly what the issue is and what kind of support they would like to have um, so that you can best address those issues. But that's maybe where you should start, which I think is super actionable and helpful.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Stop the conditions from getting worse on the social side. You can address the other pieces later. Um, There's also kind of a flip side look at this, too, that if things are really bad, (laughs) everything sucks. It's actually the opposite advice because if you improve workload and the job constraints, those are going to have a bigger boom back in your well-being yeah. um, than the social side. thats a, stuff's going to take longer. So those might be your quick wins and then you work on the social side. So it kind of depends on which way you're looking at it. Is the change going yeah. worse or better? Um, and where you focus probably would change a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's a great call out. Um, that's a great call out that the, the opposite strategy uh, can work if you're in a different situation. So I appreciate that too, because uh, maybe there's some people out there who are in that situation and could use the advice to take the alternative tact.
1: Yes. Getting to a better place versus avoiding a bad place. So um, yeah, that was what this paper found. Um, Interesting preliminary work on this change piece. Be curious to see where this type of research goes in the future, but I do think Um, It is interesting to look at that change specifically, what happens when things get better or worse within the same
0: job um, and how does that impact well-being. So I thought it was a good article and I enjoyed it. I love it. Yay. Well, thank you so much for reading this. This was really, really, really helpful. And I enjoyed learning more about it. And I hope other people found some useful takeaways too. Yeah, thanks
1: for listening to all of you listeners out there. Um, if you haven't seen our bonus episodes, we do have bonus episodes coming out. You can get them on Apple Podcast subscriptions or on Patreon. Same audio content there. Um, but Patreon does have a Discord community and a couple other things as well. We'd love for you to check it out. And otherwise, we'll see you next time with our next article. Um, you know how to find us? Contact at workerbeing.com, workerbeing.com, and on social. Thanks for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabaric and Dr. Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson.